be in John chapter 8, looking at verses 12 to 32. Then spoke Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. The Pharisees therefore said unto him, Thou bearest witness of thyself. Thy witness is not true. Jesus answered and said unto them, Though I bear witness of myself, yet my witness is true. For I know from where I came and where I go. But ye cannot tell from where I come and where I go. Ye judge after the flesh, I judge no man. Ye judge after the flesh, I judge no man. And yet, if I judge, my judgment is true, for I am not alone, and I am the Father that sent me. It is also written in the law, in your law, that the testimony of two men is true. I am one that beareth witness of myself, and the Father that sent me beareth witness of me. Then said Jesus unto them, Where is thy father? Jesus, excuse me, then said they unto him, Where is thy father? Jesus answered, Ye neither know me nor my father. If ye had known me, ye should have known my father also. These words spoke Jesus in the treasury as he taught in the temple, and no man laid hands on him, for his hour was not yet come. Then said Jesus again unto them, I go my way, and ye shall seek me, and shall die in your sins. Where I go, ye cannot come. Then said the Jews, Will he kill himself? Because he saith, Where I go, ye cannot come. And he said unto them, Ye are from beneath, I am from above. Ye are of this world, and I am not of this world. I said therefore unto you that ye shall die in your sins, for if ye believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. Then said they unto him, Who art thou? And Jesus saith unto them, Even the same that I said unto you from the beginning, I have many things to say and to judge of you, but he that sent me is true, and I speak to the world of those things which I have heard of him. They understood not that he spoke to them of the Father. Then said Jesus unto them, When ye have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall ye know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself. But as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things. And he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. As he spoke these words, many believed on him. Then said Jesus to those Jews who believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Let us pray. Loving Father, that you may add the ministry of blessing through the Spirit of God to teach us and to minister to us of these things concerning the words of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as we look at this passage this afternoon, um, we want to look at them upon the basis of this theme. Follow Jesus into the light. 
Jesus is called the light of the world. And so that means that we have an obligation to follow the Lord Jesus Christ into that light. You see, there were many that were looking to Jesus in that day when Jesus was upon the earth. The Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes, they wondered at Jesus and who he really was. The multitude of people round about Jesus, they looked toward Jesus. They, they saw the miracles that he did. They heard the words that he said, and he spoke things they did not understand. And he himself came forth from the Father. He truly came into the world as the incarnate Son of God. And so he is called not only the water of life and the bread of life, but the light of the world. And so it is that to follow the Lord Jesus Christ is to come to that light, that light which is light and life to those who believe. And so uh, we want to look at these three different areas here this afternoon. The gospel of Christ is in conflict with the world in verses 1 through 19. Uh, Secondly, the origin of Christ is from the Father, and that's verse 20 to 26. And then Jesus is our light and life, verses 27 to 32. Um, It's important that we do say that uh, these various um, themes that we're going to be looking at this afternoon were typical of the arguments that people were making and how the conflict or controversy concerning Christ was developing. That is, there were those who were very much opposed to who Christ said that, that he was. They were very much opposed to the authority that he spoke They were very much opposed that uh, he himself claimed to be the Son of God. And yet, all these things were true of him, uh, that he was truly the Son of God, that he came forth from the Father, and that God did send him into the world, that he might be a light unto the world. Now, you'll notice on the back of your bulletin, you may want to read some of these uh, verses of Scripture, especially the one on the back cover uh, here, This afternoon it says, I, the Lord, have called thee in righteousness, and will hold thine hand, and will keep thee, and give thee for a covenant of the people, for a light of the Gentiles, to open the blind eyes, to bring out of the prison prisons from the prison, and the prisoners from the prison, and them that sit in darkness out of the prison house, I the Lord that is my name, Isaiah 42, 6 through 8. Very messianic promise. Uh, actually, one that speaks of Christ. Um, who else could establish a covenant among the people except Christ himself? Remember, this was a period of time when there was already the Mosaic covenant. But remember, this was a covenant that would come that would be a light unto the Gentiles. And the word Gentiles has to do with nations. The nations of the world. Jesus would be that light unto the nations of the world. Through Jesus Christ, there would be a covenant. We call it the New Testament in his blood. Now, you may remember that because that is a New Testament teaching. And as we come before the communion table at times, we often speak of the New Covenant or the New Testament in his blood. And so Jesus Christ was even spoken of in the book of Isaiah. 
concerning a light unto the Gentiles. Jesus is a light unto the nations, unto the world. He is the light of the world. You know, today, there's no one you can follow who will lead you more directly and more safely into the truth than Jesus. Because Jesus has been given to us as that one who is the way, the truth, and the life. A couple of weeks, a week ago or so, when I was up to see Ernie in the afternoon, it was that very passage that he asked me to read to him in John 14, 6. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. He asked me to read that to him because he, he knew the significance of it. <coughs> Excuse me. And, and the last time I saw Ernie, he, uh, he was kind of like a sleeping almost, but I knew he could hear me. And I read uh, John chapter 10 to him and how Jesus is the good shepherd of the sheep and he giveth his life for the sheep. The idea of light, of course, in relationship to Christ is that he is the truth. He is the truth. There is a lot of conflict going on um, in the world. Uh, conflict about a lot of different kinds of things. But uh, the gospel of Christ is in conflict with the world. I just want you to know that this afternoon. The gospel of Christ is in conflict with the world. The gospel of Christ speaks of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ speaks of that hope of eternal life that can only be through Jesus. The gospel of Jesus Christ speaks of that one who came to die for the sins of the world. The gospel of Jesus Christ says that it is a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so you need to, you need to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to follow his truth. You need to get to know him in a personal way. You need to live a life that is based upon the true teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ and that he can not only change your life now, he will give you life eternal. Now that is uh, something which is truly of God alone. Man cannot do any of those things. This, the gospel of Jesus Christ is so, so diametrically opposed to the world that the world would never come up with it. The world would never think of these things. The world would never make such a proposal. Only God could make such a proposal. Why? Because it is the inspired word of God. That is why. Because it is truth from God. And it is the truth... To, to man who is hopeless without God, who is completely lost in sin and, uh, and truly um, headed for eternity without God. And that is a very dark place to be. Uh, you see, Jesus is that light which dispels the darkness of this world. It dispels the darkness of this world. And so we must remember that the gospel of Christ is in conflict with the world. Let's look at verses 12 and following. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Now this discourse that Jesus is making is at the same time when Jesus was in the city of Jerusalem at the time of the Feast of Tabernacles. 
or the Feast of Lights, as it is sometimes called, or the Feast of Harvest, or the Feast of Ingathering. A lot of names was given to this particular time when there was these, uh, this feast. But one of the things that was going on was that lights were lit to light the temple area. Now you can imagine they didn't have an electric light bulb to turn on, right? Uh, and they, they didn't have a candle big enough, you know. Uh, so they, they had lighting devices, uh, which no doubt were powered by olive oil and the typical type of fuel of the day. And so in this temple area, this isn't talking about the, the, the light that was in the, in the right in the tabernacle itself. This this isn't talking about that. This is the outer area, and there were lights which were set up to light the area. And so as these lights were were very much lit up for the people uh, in the area who were there for the Feast of Tabernacles, uh, we find that Jesus makes this statement concerning himself. He says, I am the light of the world. You can imagine now how Jerusalem might have been considered to be a city set on a hill. You can imagine how Jerusalem might have been considered to be a bright and shining light unto the nations. It was truly a glorious city. It's called the city of David. It is called the holy city. And of course, uh, throughout uh, the history of Israel, it has held that place of prominence as being a very special and significant city. And Jesus was there at this particular time. uh, And he uh, said of himself, even as these lights were illuminating the whole area, he says, I am the light of the world. Now this is quite amazing for somebody to say this, of course. But remember who Jesus is. Jesus is the Son of God. That he came into the world to light the nations. And when we stop and think about John 3.16, and says, For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten Son. Jesus, the light of the world, the one who came to enlighten the world, to be a light unto the nations, God sent his only begotten son to be that light unto the nations. And that means he is that light for you, for me. He is that light for all people of the world. And of course, there are many beliefs out there who make a certain proposition and say that they have the truth. But Jesus is that only one who has been given according to, that's right, the Scriptures. The Word of God, according to the Scriptures. Now that's pretty important because um, up until this time in human history, nothing held such a high place in Jewish culture and custom and religion than the Old Testament scriptures to which Christ was referring to. Now that's significant too because this verse in Isaiah then, Jesus no doubt had as much as in mind as he did any New Testament passage that would subsequently come after it as he told his disciples to go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. 
You see, this was a very important, a very important statement that Jesus was saying concerning himself. He is saying, I am the Christ. The word Christ means anointed. He was saying, I am the Christ. As the Old Testament word Messiah also means anointed. We find that Jesus says, I am the Christ, I am the Messiah. I am the one that God has sent into the world to light the world. I am the one who is in complete conflict with the world, yet I am the true light and the true life of all who believe. Now this same message, this same truth, rings down through the centuries of time. From the time of the early prophets to the early years of the first century church until the 21st century, we find that the same message is ringing true, that the word of God continues to be fulfilled in every jot and every tittle. This is one truth that we cannot neglect to know nor believe. And so I would encourage you to remember that though the gospel is in conflict with the world, Jesus Christ is not in conflict with the Father. Jesus Christ came to do the Father's will. In verse 13, there were those of his day who did not believe him. The Pharisees therefore said unto him, Thou bearest witness of thyself, thy witness is not true. Because according to the law, their law, their Judaistic law, there had to be two witnesses to verify a truth. But Jesus says that he bears witness of the truth himself. But the Pharisees disagree with him. Here is the conflict. Now, remember this. And as far as the world is concerned, you can say that you are a Christian... You can say that you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You can say that you are born again. You can say that you have eternal life. And the world can deny it. But you have the witness of yourself and God the Father. You have two witnesses. In any court of law, you are allowed to be one witness. You see, but God the Father is the other one, according to the Scripture. And though the world is in conflict with that truth... It does not disprove it. Jesus was making the same thing here. In verse 14, Jesus answered and said unto them, Though I bear witness of myself, yet my witness is true. For I know from where I came and where I go, but ye cannot tell where I come from and where I go. Now why did he say this? Because God the Father had sent him. Because he was doing the kinds of miracles that were proving him to be the Son of God, the true Messiah, the true Anointed One. Because he himself were saying things that were a witness to who he was. In other words, God the Father was a witness of him, and so he also was a witness of himself. Two were verifying it, and even though the Pharisees did not believe it, or did a wars in conflict with it, that did not mean that he was going to stop saying it. And it did not invalidate what he was saying. Just because somebody does not say, does not believe that you are a Christian, or they're somehow challenging what, what you say about Christ, or what you say about your own life, does not disprove it. 
Because you have the witness of the Word of God, God Himself, you have the witness of your own life, and you have that double witness, which is verification. Now, that this witness here of the Scriptures is very important, isn't it? Because all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man or woman of God may be perfectly furnished unto all good works. In other words, the Scriptures give testimony of itself, that it is the Word of God. You don't have to back down on anything concerning the Word of God or concerning your own faith in Jesus Christ. The only problem here is, don't you deny it, you see. Don't you deny it. Let's just uh, jump down here to uh, verse um, 30. And he spoke these words... And as he spoke these words, many believed on him. Then said Jesus to those Jews who believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. You must continue. You can't deny it. If you're going to follow Jesus because he is the light and follow him into that light of the gospel of Christ, then you cannot deny it. Otherwise, you negate, you negate your own verification of who you claim to be. You cannot deny it. Verse 32, And he shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The verification of the word of God in your life is your witness, and the Father's witness in the Scriptures. The Father's witness in the Scriptures. Don't ever deny what God has confirmed upon your heart. And so we find that this is a very important truth for us to, to settle in our minds. There may be a lot of things you don't understand about the Scripture. That's not a problem. But this one thing you ought not, you ought not to deny your own personal relationship with Jesus Christ because He is the Son of God and He is the Savior of the world and you've called upon Him. Amen. You see, there may be a lot of other ones, a lot of other doctrines you're not clear about. But in time, God will reveal those kinds of things to you if you ask Him. And you, and you search the Scriptures, you see. Verse 15, see, here is the the reason why the conflict in the world. Ye judge after the flesh, I judge no man. That's what Jesus said to him. He says, "You, you judge after the flesh, I judge no man. Now you might say, well, you mean Jesus isn't a judge. Well, no, he didn't come into the world for that reason. He came to save. Judgment comes later. It comes when he, when he returns, then he'll come back as that, as that judge. But right now, in the first century, when Jesus was revealed, he knew. He, he is that one who has come as the Savior of the world. And so it is that, what do, we, what do we do? We don't preach judgment to people. No, we preach Christ. We tell them Jesus came to save all who will call upon him. All who would know their own sin and call upon him. Jesus came to save them. And so, in verse 16, And yet if I judge, my judgment is true, for I am not alone, 
but I and the Father that sent me. Now, the second idea of judging here, of course, is a bit different, isn't it? We make many judgments ourselves. Jesus also made many statements which appeared to be judging other people. But then, remember who he is. He is the Son of God. But he came to redeem his people from their sins. That is what he came for the first time, in his first coming. In his second coming, it will be a different story. And so the judgments that Jesus made was to set himself apart as the true Son of God, the true Christ, the true Messiah, that one who came into the world to redeem his people from their sin, and also to be a light unto the nations, which was the fulfillment, not only of the prophecy that Isaiah spoke about, but many other Old Testament prophecies concerning him. Verse 17 it is also written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. So here Jesus refers to that Old Testament law principle. Verse 18, I am one that bath witness of myself, and the Father that sent me bath witness of me. So Jesus was not at all timid about saying who his second witness is. Go ahead, world, to see if you can prove differently. You know, some philosophers and psychologists today might say, well, God is dead. Science has replaced him. But I want you to know that the solar system is still out there. The sun is still in its orbit. The earth is still revolving. The moon and the stars and all the creation of God. And man cannot explain it no matter how much he will. And they cannot deny God even though they might say that they do. And it doesn't make any difference if the world wants to say God is dead. The word of God says he's very much alive. And Jesus Christ is his son. And he's coming again. And he came the first time to redeem us from our sins. There's nothing that replaces the confidence of faith. Nothing that replaces it. Just because man wants to make some remark like saying God is dead, that doesn't do anything. That is not as powerful as the word of God and all of creation itself. And God, him, God who is sovereign over the universes. And man, though he tries... He can't explain it away. And so secondly, the origin of Christ is from the Father. This is what it comes down to. The origin of Christ is from the Father. And so you cannot put God in a test tube because he's bigger than that. And you cannot explain him away and say God is dead. No, the origin of Christ is as the word of God says, that he came forth from the Father. If we turn back just a moment to the beginning of the chapter of John, the Gospel of John, we will see that it says in verse 1, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. John takes a great deal of care to explain that the divine word, the divine Logos, was with God in the beginning. And Jesus Christ is that divine Logos. 
Look at verse 14. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Confirmation, the word which was with God in the beginning, became flesh. Jesus Christ became flesh, dwelt among us. He's called the only begotten Son of God, and he is full of grace and truth. The scripture confirms itself. That Jesus Christ, the origin of Christ, is from the Father. Does that do anything for your faith? It does a lot for mine. It establishes truth to the point where it, it cannot be challenged. It cannot be undone. You can't explain it away. Because God is infinite. And man is finite. And Christ came into this world. He was sent into this world by God the Father that he might show his only begotten Son as that one who was full of grace and, and truth. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. I want you to believe that Jesus Christ is not only the light of the world, that he is truth, and that truth which is in Christ is a truth that is valid, even though the world says it's in conflict with science. Because science, so-called, is often the philosophy of men. And true science doesn't conflict with the Bible. And so we want to remember the origin of Christ is from the Father. Is from the Father. Well, let's read on a bit more here in verse 20. These words spoke Jesus in the treasury as he taught in the temple. And no man laid hands on him, for his hour was not yet come. Well, uh, here we find that verse 20 says that Jesus was, was at the temple. He was in the area called where, where the treasury was. And if this helps you in any at all, you may remember the widow in her little widow's might. Now, where did you suppose she put that money? In the treasury at the temple. You know, all these other very rich people was clanging the old treasury with their money. But Jesus said, this woman who gave her last mite gave more than all. Well, so it was in that area where the treasury was. And so it is often called like the, 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 the area or the common area where the women often could come and could give money to the treasury. So it was in that outer common area that he's, that, uh, where the treasury was. Where, um, seems like the coffers are all, always available to everybody, right? Uh, you can always get close enough to the coffer to put your money in. Just about anybody can do that. <laughs> and so this was in a very common general area that he's talking about here. Verse 21, Then said Jesus again unto them, I go my way, and ye shall seek me, and shall... 
and shall die in your sins. Where I go, ye cannot come. Well, here it is. Uh, remember, who was Jesus talking to? Talking to the Pharisees and, you know, these religious rulers. And he's telling them, he says, I'm going to go away, people, but you're going to die in your sins. <laughs> now, I suppose they didn't really want to hear that, you know. Uh, they thought they were righteous and they were going to die righteously and uh, they would not die in their sins. In fact, the whole sacrificial Judaistic system was set up to somehow alleviate the sin problem, but of course it really didn't. And God never intended it. It was a foreshadow of the Lord Jesus Christ coming, who himself would bear the sin of the world. And so, verse 22, Then said the Jews, Will he kill himself? Because he saith, Where I go, ye cannot come. All kinds of suppositions here. They're trying to figure out just what he was talking about here. In verse 23, And he said unto them, Ye are from beneath, I am from above. Ye are of this world, I am not of this world. Again, he's, he's making some statements which kind of... Um, blow the whole thing out of the water, doesn't it? it? They just don't understand. What does he mean he is from above and we are from beneath? You know, they thought he was uh, Joseph and Mary's son from, from Nazareth and in Galilee. In verse 24, I said therefore unto you that ye shall die in your sins, for if ye believe not that I am he... Ye shall die in your sins. He's still trying to give them some idea who he really was. That he is the Christ. That he is the Son of God. That he is the fulfillment of the scriptures. Yet, though they are very religious people, they do not understand. The conflict that we have in the gospel is that the world cannot understand the message that we are telling them as long as as they persist in their own wisdom. As long as they persist in their own wisdom. You see, they can't believe this. Because this is the wisdom of God. The word of God. This is the wisdom of God. Not the wisdom of man. The wisdom of God. And that's why the world cannot understand it. Because they're trying to figure it out in their own mind. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So if you want faith, then you must listen to the word of God. You must read the word of God. You must seek that wisdom which is of God through his word. Then you will have true faith. Then you will know who the Christ is. Then you will know the who, where Christ came from, the true origin of Christ. You see, but the Pharisees, they were not listening. They were not listening. Verse 25. Then said they unto him, Who art thou? See, they're still asking. And Jesus saith unto them, Even the same that I said unto you from the beginning. See, he hasn't changed his message. He's still on point. He's still telling them that he is the Christ. He's still telling them that he came from the Father. He's still telling them he came to do the Father's will. And the Father sent him. And I and the Father are one. He's still saying the same things. Verse 26. I have many things to say and to judge of you. That ye, that he should send that he that sent me is true. And I speak to the world those things 
which I have heard of him. So what is he basically saying? He said, I came to speak the will of the Father and to do the will of the Father and to say those things that the Father would have me say to you. To you. Well, this brings up another point, doesn't it? That if we want to get through to people about the gospel, we have to tell them the message from the Father. You can't repackage it and, and give it to them in a, in a sugar-coated manner. It doesn't work. You have to give them the message just as it is from the Word of God. Undefiled and undiluted in any way. The, the clear teaching of the Scriptures. You have to give them the clear teaching of the Scriptures. And allow God to speak to their hearts. But what does he say in verse 27? They understood not that he spoke to them of the Father. Well, this is quite amazing, you know, when we stop and think about it. Here is Jesus, he is the Son of God. He came forth from the Father. He came to be a light unto the Gentiles, a light unto the nations. He came to save his own people from their sins, but yet they don't understand what he's saying. And they wouldn't until something happened. Until something happened. Then said Jesus unto them, verse 28, When ye have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall ye know that I am He. And of course, lifting up the Son of Man is referring to His crucifixion. He says, When I have died upon the cross, then you will know that I am He. And that I do nothing of myself, but as the Father hath taught me, I speak these things. And so, the gospel, in other words, we, we cannot parse the gospel. We cannot dissect it into more palatable means so people understand it. No, they have to know the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. They have to know that He is the Christ, the Son of God. He came forth from the Father. He is the incarnate of God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. That's the incarnation. Then we have to tell them the death, the burial, and the resurrection. You see, He says here, you won't believe until I'm, I've been crucified, until I have actually died for the sins of the world. And then, then, the message will become clear to you. And that, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things. Verse 29, And he that sent me is with me. The Father. The Father hath not left me alone, for I do always do those things that please him. I and the Father are one. In other words, he came to do the Father's will. The Father was with him. The Father would allow him to go to the cross to fulfill that gospel message. <coughs> Excuse me. And then in verse 30 and 31, as he spoke these words, many believed on him. All these things became more and more clear to those who were looking for the Christ, that he was truly the Christ. Now see, that also is integral to the gospel message. There are those who are looking for salvation. They were looking for the God who saves, the God who is there. They are looking for him. They have some belief in God. They realize that um, 
their sins keep them from living a life that is holy and true and right with God? In other words, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. They realize that. There are people who recognize their need. And because they recognize their need, they're looking for the truth. And Jesus came along to give them that truth. You may be looking for the truth, and I hope that you will find that truth in Christ, because only as you recognize your need will you find that truth. As he spoke these words, many believed on him. See, Jesus was confirming who he was, why he was here, that he was the Christ, that he is the Messiah, that the Father was giving testimony of him, that he and the Father were one, and that they could be saved if they would believe upon the Christ. Now remember, remember, this was at that period of time after John the Baptist, that the kingdom of God was at hand. The kingdom of God. And so the kingdom of God meant that Jesus Christ, the Messiah, had come. The first coming of Christ meant that the Messiah was upon the earth. When he comes again the second time, the Christ will come in power and great glory. And he will be upon the earth in judgment to complete or bring to fruition all that he has promised in salvation. But here, now, at this particular juncture... Many believed on him. If you give them, if you give people the word of God when they are really interested in knowing more about God and about his son, there will be some of those who will believe. They will believe. Because God works in and through his, his word. God works in and through it. And then he says, Then said Jesus to those Jews who believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And so here again, we must continue. Believers must continue to believe. If you will, it's called perseverance of the saints in a more doctrinal format. Perseverance of the saints. All those who believe will persevere in truth. They will persevere in the word of God. They will persevere in their faith. They will not stop believing that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Because the word of God verifies it. Because their own testimony verifies it. Because what Christ has done in their life verifies it. Because they have believed on Him. If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. You must continue. In verse 32, And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. I am the way, the truth, and the life. The truth shall make you free. The truth of the word of God. Not just any truth. The truth of the word of God. The truth that came to redeem man from his sin. And that is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And that is why those who die in Christ have no regret, but are fully confirmed upon their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, know where they are going and are looking forward to it. And that's where we are as believers too. So I trust that you have the greatest faith to know and believe that Jesus is truly the Savior that has been sent. For that means of being a light unto the Gentiles, unto the nations. For God sent 
forth his Son into the world that he might be known as the Savior of all who call upon him. Shall we pray? Loving Father, we do thank you for this great and wonderful truth about Jesus, that he is the light of the world, and that in him is light and life, and all who believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. And they shall know the truth, and the truth shall make them free. Father, we ask your blessing. Pray your grace and mercies to us, and we give glory to you in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.